Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Romeo Carey podcast. Here, uh, taking out of the archive, this dates back to 2000. This is the most formidable clinical psychologist in our contemporary times. She's no longer with us. She passed away. But what she's left on this recording, uh, Dr. Marilyn Fifian, a sexologist of the highest order, are insights that only someone who's witnessed 5,000, 6,000 acts of intercourse and such things in her course of study and clinical work uh, could, you know, could arrive at answers that nobody else could. So without further ado, I take you to the interview with uh, Dr. Marilyn Fifian. She was a sex therapist and experimenter back in the 70s, 80s. Her partner was just as similar as Masters and Johnson. It was Hart and Fiftian. She had a partner named Hart. And Masters and Johnson's became a, a household word, but uh, Hart and Fiftian kind of fell off the fell off the map. I'm Dr. Marilyn Fithian. I'm a sexologist. I've worked in the sex field for about the last 40 years. Uh, I've uh, done uh, uh, physiological research and uh, observations of coitus, uh, masturbation, and uh, other kinds of sexual activity. And I've seen over 6,000 nude bodies in all of my work. I sometimes ask why I... Uh, work in the field of sexology and the reason is it's a very rewarding field to work in and it's very important. I think everybody's involved in sex one way or another and uh, uh, the more we know about it the better off we are. Okay, well, I don't mind talking me. about it. I mean I don't talk about it in professional meetings. <laughs> I don't mind talking about it. Yeah. Um, but it is really interesting. We had um, um, a couple uh, and uh, uh, they were a, a pair. I mean, they were a, a live-in couple. And uh, neither one of them knew anything about sex. So what we did was we had them do the secret ritual. Uh, we just explained what we wanted them to do. And that was um, they had a, a silk robe. Uh, he had a silk robe. And uh, as I remember, it was tea or something like that. He had something that he drank and she was in the other room. Then they came together on the bed and got into juxtaposition. Not intercourse, but you know, with genitals and uh, next to each other. And uh, we told them just to lay there, you know, legs intertwined kind of thing, so side by side intertwined, so that the genitals were together. Mm. Uh, and uh, it had to be the fourth, uh, four days after the cessation of menstruation. So that meant we went in on a Sunday <laughs> to do the research. Uh, and we did, it three, we did it three times. I mean, it wasn't just once. We did it three times. The same thing happened every time. And we said, uh, you just lay there and, and uh, 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 just don't move. So we went in the other room and supposedly in 32 minutes, which it was exactly 32 minutes, after the after uh, uh, getting together, he let out a yell. He said, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> and what he said, well, he said, "Well, what what happened?" 
And he said, uh, and they both said, well, it was like an energy flow running from her body to his body to her body and back. And they said it was fabulous. It was unbelievable. And uh, <laughs> wow. so, so uh, you know, the next month we had them do the same thing, and they had no, there's no, was no clock in the room. They had no way of knowing what time it was. And it was 32 minutes again. The same thing happened. So we did it three times with only this one couple. So it wasn't what you'd call scientific research. We were interested in uh, because we'd read about the tantric the ritual, and we're we're interested in all kinds of sexual behavior, and people do use that. Okay, well, why do they use it? I mean, obviously, it has some value. And it's, uh, it's called Tantra, the Yoga of Sex, and it's a secret ritual, and it's uh, trying to think of the name of the man that, that uh, um, wrote that particular book. But it's old. It's an old person. Now, when you call it a ritual, what, I'm, I'm, like, the, the intertwined 32 Well, you, what, what it has, you have, a, like, a silk robe. The man has a silk robe, and he sits alone. And it seems to me that he does uses his pelvic muscles two or three times while he's sitting there. Um, and uh, I, I, it's been, you know, like, <laughs> it's been since 1968 or 69 since we did that, so it's a long time ago. Uh, but it seems to me that he did uh, pelvic exercises while he was sitting there drinking the tea or whatever it was. It, um, and there was... I had to buy something, I remember rose water or something or other that was also part of the ritual. And she was out of the room, but then they came together and they were in juxtaposition, laying on the bed uh, and not moving and not talking with their eyes closed. And they said it felt like energy flow. Now he was a physicist, see, so he, <laughs> he, he knew what he was talking about. Right, he was. And, uh, uh, he said it was really weird. He said it was a really a strange sensation. Was he a particular sect? Was he in, into a particular religion or something? No, huh? Oh. No, he happens to be a well-known person. <laughs> a lot of our research subjects are very well-known people. Uh, wow. And he's written a lot of books and so forth, but uh, not in the sex area. Okay. Most of probably uh, Holland. Holland, really? You won't find it anywhere in the, anywhere in the East, in the Orient. Well, uh, there are, you have problems in the East. Uh, I mean, you know, there. Uh, I think Holland's more uh, Holland, Denmark. I think are more open in relation to all kinds of sexual behavior. Right. Uh, and and that's what the research indicates too. Um, but uh, uh, the. Uh, uh, we had we had research subjects from uh, all over the about eight, nineteen uh, nineteen countries. Um, we had uh, that office building on the corner down there. We had almost the whole floor. Are you serious? Uh, the one right here when, we, when I drove up? Yeah, that no big that big, uh, five story office. We had uh, almost the whole floor. No yeah, we had a big research lab there, and we did therapy, and we had. Uh, we made films, and uh, we, you know. that's a, that's amazing. Yeah, well, uh, we would have probably still been doing it, but we were in an automobile accident. And my partner was—he uh, died. So. Oh, sorry to hear that. So we haven't, uh, you know, I haven't quit. We we retired. We had to retire because we couldn't work, and uh, but 
we're not all that retired. I've, I've got research data that's, you know, I've got a whole garage full of research data that I, I you know, that I have to analyze. And uh, uh, then I do library research too because I've got, I've got these books and I've got another room that's full of, all, all the walls are covered with books. And then I've got another room that, <laughs> say, I, you know, let me, we, we, um, most research subjects, most people that have done research, scientific research, uh, have only done it on four or five people. We had 751 that we measured. We had, uh, we had an eight-channel, you know, uh, about a $20,000 machine that we make measurements with. So we have tons of records. And uh, uh, so, and <coughs> we had people from all over the world, everybody, you know, most, it's still man on top, woman on the bottom is the most popular <laughs> position that they use. Yeah. You hardly ever see anything else. And uh, they will say that they use other positions, but uh, it's, you know, when you ask them to do what they would ordinarily do at home, you get some of that, but not a lot of it. And you, you get other kinds of behavior. I mean, you know, if, uh, after the research subjects know you for a while and they're more apt to do more uh, kinky kinds of stuff, I guess that's what you'd call it. Garroting. What's garroting? Choking. Oh, yeah. That's, that, what's, that, what's that come from, do you think? I thought they called it asphyxiation. It is. A, a loss of breath, but it, it gives you an orgasm. Garroting. Well, yeah, I use a neck. I've seen him use a necktie, and paddling. And you ever read Naked Lunch? No. By Burroughs. No. Uh, well, that's in that why he hangs himself. I mean, you know, uh, every once in a while, you you know that that um, that uh, TV star that recently uh, died in the shower. It was about a couple of months ago. My take on that, after reading a number of articles about it was that he was probably, it was probably a sexual thing. Because you frequently find that, you know, people will hang themselves and not cut themselves down in time. And the fact that he was doing it in the shower, because water is an aphrodisiac, would make me think, and you know, shower, if you've got a shower, look at it when you go home. I mean, uh, how are you going to hang yourself on that unless you were, you know, doing something, unless it was an awfully high shower. Uh, unless you were, you know, uh, uh, and if he was hanging himself, which he could have just been hanging himself, uh, but being able to touch the ground, um, and then he went unconscious, and then he, you know, didn't cut himself down. But they found him in the shower, nude, and so to me it sounded more like, rather than suicide, it sounded more to me like he was probably in having a good time. <laughs> And you're probably the only one that could have deduced that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've read several uh, murder uh, things that it was obvious to me that that was what was going, that sex was what was going on, that people just don't understand it. A couple, couple of them were people that ended up going to jail that should never have gone to jail because, uh, you know, the jury didn't believe them. They had no one to represent. And they didn't understand what was happening. Talk <laughs> about the dark ages. That's amazing. I know. It's it's. It's terrible, and it's getting worse. I mean, it isn't getting better. It was the AIDS epidemic came along, and so that shut down sexuality. So people, you know, quit having sex, and uh, uh, so there's not as much, nobody's doing research, and uh, it would probably be impossible for anybody to do the research that we did. We had 751 people 
that we monitored on, on an eight-channel recorder. It's a big piece of equipment like this, and we measure your heart rate, heartbeat, capillary pulse, galvanic skin response, pelvic contractions in vagina, anus, and uh, uterus, and uh, uh, it's just, you know, it's not p possible to do that anymore. And all of our research subjects were volunteer, and a lot of them were professional people. Part of the reason that nobody does is it's really terribly expensive. Mm. But we generated our own money. Uh, what we did was we lectured all over the United States, and we took the money that we got from lecturing and put it in the research rather than, you know, use it ourselves. Yeah, well, I've never seen that, but I have, you, you do see, uh, I have seen male erections in the fetus, fetus with an erection. See, one of the murder stories that I read that was really interesting, see, in some cultures, um, the stimulation of the penis by the par parents, the mother, or, or, or oral sex with the penis is done uh, with an infant to get it to go to sleep in some cultures. Now, see, what happened was, in the, it, it happened in the United States, this woman, her mother was from, her grandmother was from Italy from a rural area where apparently this was what they did. So apparently she had told her daughter that, you know, this is the way you got your child to go to sleep. Well, I, so that's what she was doing. Well, her husband came downstairs, saw her doing that, and started chasing her, and she fell and hit her head, and it killed her. And he was tried for murder and, kill, and uh, uh, sent to prison. Oh but she was, because no, none of the jury believed that a mother would do that. Oh, my God. Well, if, if, if that's part of your culture and your... See, what happens here, people come from all, all over the world to come to the United States. And they bring with them their cultural traditions. If they don't know, and we don't talk about it, how are they supposed to know? I think it was last year, two Iranians were sent to jail because, uh, you know, they... Mutilating uh, uh, that ritual? That, that no, that what happened was... Those were Africans, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, what happens wa happened was they married their 12-year-old daughter or 14-year-old daughter to some guy, to two guys. And so they were arrested because this was, you know, you don't do that. Uh, but, yeah, but th that was traditional in terms of Iran. That was what you were supposed to do. And, you know, they've been here a couple of years. They don't know the difference. And my problem with it is that they needed to deal with it in a different way than they dealt with it. They shouldn't have gone to jail. They should have dealt with this culturally. I mean, you know, teach these people that this is, you know, this is not acceptable in the United States. Right. But not send them to jail because they did someone it. like the DA on it that are completely naive, completely single-minded that won't even think that right. that's the direction to go. No, no, nobody ever thinks that that's what you should. That's why I work in the sexual field is because uh, the more I can talk about things like this and the more I can educate people, then you know I'm, I'm trying to. You're the you're the lone voice in the desert. <laughs> That's right. Well, we do have a couple of organizations, but but people are really afraid to work in the sexual area because it's such a taboo area. Uh, we wrote a book in terms of how I got into sex, and we had uh, we had probably about five or six people who couldn't couldn't even write an article about it, a, a chapter in the book because. It would jeopardize their job. And, and when we were initially doing some research, there were uh, several doctors that wanted to, to uh, do research with us. Uh, 
and some did, but the, uh, early on, some of the doctors that wanted to do research with us, they were told that if they did uh, sex research, they would be uh, lose their jobs at universities. It's like the Hoover administration, yeah. that's his name. Right, so, so it becomes a real problem in relation to, uh, and most doctors, uh, up to 19, about 1970, no doctor, uh, well, I take it back. In about 1970 or 72, we lectured at the medical school in Indiana. They had a week-long program for doctors who came from all over the country to the program. We were the only one that talked about normal sex. Everybody else, I mean, they talked about, I mean, homosexuality. Well, that's okay, but more people are involved in heterosexual everyday sex and and one program was on what to do with a, seduct a seductive client or patient and what to do with the the fetishist I mean there were those kinds of things that you don't get very many people so like involved. a small segment of what anybody that's should right. really know about that's right well we we uh, we did a lot of psychological testing because both of us were uh, had psychological backgrounds. I'm actually a social psychologist, but mm -hmm. I do have a degree in sex, human sexuality. Uh, but we gave people a test, which was a, a schematic drawing, of, you know, just a ordinary, everyday kind of thing. It wasn't anything fancy of male genitalia and female genitalia with little lines, and you were supposed to identify what was what. Yeah. Couldn't figure it out. No. I mean, you know, if a man can't, doesn't even know where a clitoris is, how's he ever supposed to do, or a vagina, how's he supposed to do anything with it? Unbelievable. You know, and we had not only people who had problems, but we did that with people who didn't have problems. That is, you know, they were, uh, they should have known. Sure, just as an education, as a means to educate. So, but where do you get education? Where do you go to learn about sex? It's a learned behavior, where do you learn? It's like, you know... Breathing, eating, uh, uh, walking, sleeping, all those things are learned. I mean, you, you have propensity for them, but you have to learn to have a pattern of sleep. You have to learn to eat. Otherwise, you know, it's any nursing woman will tell you it's real tr trouble in terms of getting the baby to learn to nurse. Uh, you know, and, if, and uh, defecating, I mean, you know, um, bowel and bladder control are learned. You learn to do that. And sex is one of the things you learn, but where do you learn it? So, you got to learn it on your own, I guess. Well, that's why kids 12 years old are having sex. They're trying to learn it. Yeah, they're trying to learn. Why do you think you have pornography? Why do you think you have prostitutes? That's because <laughs> in countries where those things are illegal, you have many fewer, you don't have the sex crimes that you have in the United States. Where, where it's illegal? Where uh, Denmark, uh... Scandinavian countries, uh, and uh, so their sex crimes are practically nil. Um, wow. And uh, so, you know. That's amazing. You know, they, they did I mean, it's not that I'm for pornography, it's not that I'm for prostitution, but, you know, if this is the only way they're going to learn, well, you know, that's what you have to have. It's part. It's it's the uh, Elizabethan taboo hasn't hasn't released its script at least in the Western world. They're still right. suffering, and 
and because of it, you have all these, you got these warped uh, perceptions. Well, yeah, and part of the problem is you have things like, see, I, I see things like what happened in Colorado at Littleton is related to this. Oh, I agree. You know, uh, here you have two young kids that are probably, you know, scared to death in terms of sex, and, I, you know, I'm supposed to know all this, and you have a real high suicide rate among young kids. Well... Uh, the only you, reference point was that new movie, Romeo and Juliet. Uh -huh. They watched Romeo and Juliet, and in it, they tried to do it. Today, all the movies have to do with killing and, right. and sex, and yeah. it's tied together. I mean, I was, that's what I saw last night when I went to the movie. I mean, it was a weird movie. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to see it again. What was it? <laughs> I don't even know the name oh. of it, but it was, uh, you know, it was killing, killing, killing. I mean, all that's all they do. I mean, she'd be, uh, uh, she'd take a guy to her, her, her room and then kill him, you know, and one after another. Uh, and then the guy started killing people. I mean, the guy that was interested, who was following her around, started killing people. I mean, it was, you know, and it was definitely tied in with sex. Yeah. So uh, they were all sex crimes, but, um, and you, you, uh, you get, uh, uh, you know, certain kinds of behavior develops because, for instance, if you spank a child uh, and you do it on a consistent basis, that can be produce arousal. Well, and you know, when they become an adult, that's how they get arousal. You have to be spanked because that's the way that they've learned. Wow. I mean, we. One of the things that we did was we had to work with people who wanted to change their pattern because they couldn't have they couldn't uh, have orgasm with intercourse or I mean it, it, you know they had some other form of, of of gratification they want to learn how to have intercourse because that was what was expected when with, with the partner so you know so we did a lot of that kind of work the main area that I I really liked to work in was the single males who had never were virgins oh I mean uh, there's a high suicide rate among single males that are virgins. Because they're so frustrated? Well, they don't know what to do, and they, that's right. They're scared, they don't know what to do, and believe me, they don't know what to do. They're completely lost. Because they're completely I lost. Saw a study, I saw a study, I read a study about monkeys. Monkeys who were taken away from... Uh, Their parents at birth. And, and right. in captivity, and they're completely they don't know retarded. How, they don't know what to do. And completely retarded, they're, and yeah. frustrated. Like that's that. right, frustrated and very aggressive. Fight. Lots of fighting. That's why I say, I mean, you know, uh, it's all of the violence and everything that's going on, I, I see as being related to this area. Yeah. And I just see people doing the wrong things in terms of trying to resolve the problems. Wait, the things that they're teaching kids are about guns and violence. Yeah. They're not teaching them about the sex part of it. No. The guns and violence would probably be all right if they gave them a little lesson on the that's sex right, part. That's right, on the sex part, right. When we did research, we didn't care whether the people were functional or not. Because if you just see, see functional people, you don't know what happens with people that are not functional. Most people that have done research just take functional people. We took everybody, no matter what. Um, okay, we want to see what you do. Okay, well then we can see where they're frustrated. We can see what they tried to do. And we can see the difference between those that functioned and those that didn't function. So when we did therapy, we knew how to help people. 
because we knew when they told us what we didn't have to see people that we worked with in therapy because we knew from our research sample what was happening when they talked to us. Most women uh, are not physically, uh, don't have enough physical stamina to reach orgasm. It's a physical activity. It takes a lot of energy and effort, myotonia, and they got tired and quit. Uh, and most people don't know how to have orgasm. That is, once you learn how to have orgasm, you can have orgasm in a couple of minutes. But until you learn how to have orgasm, you do all kinds of stuff but don't get there. And then they, they change around trying to do different things because they think it's supposed to happen right away and it doesn't. They try something else. So we worked with a number of people in the research lab because we hooked them up with our equipment and uh, then made suggestions to them. You know, okay, and then we could see when they were moving towards orgasm. Where breathing is the least, uh, the, the area of least, um, you can either hold your breath, you can breathe rapidly, or you can breathe normally. So that's the least predictable. It? So it's the least uh, predictable in real life, but it's the easiest way to get a person orgasmic. Because you, what you do is you have them change their breathing pattern. And some people have orgasm by breathing very rapidly, and some people hold their breath, and some people breathe normally. So you, what you do is you start getting working with their breathing pattern, and then as they move towards orgasm, you say, well, continue doing what you're doing. You're moving along fine. Otherwise, people quit too soon in terms of what they're doing because they don't think they're getting any place. So you, you basically mark the breathing that's occurring during that period of time where they're reaching orgasm and say stay with that breathing? Well, yeah, stay with that, that breathing pattern if it's moving them towards orgasm. Uh, some people will breathe rapidly and then they will hold their breath. And, but you, you, what you do, you do is you try and get them to, uh, if you're telling them they're moving towards orgasm and they're doing fine, just continue doing what you're doing, then they'll move into and have orgasm. It's because they don't feel that they're getting any place They'll, you know, they'll, uh, it takes some people an hour to have orgasm. Uh, we had one research subject that we ran for about five years. The first time we ran her, she didn't have orgasm at all. Uh, but every time we ran her and the monitored her in the laboratory, she was a research subject, uh, it didn't take as long. Uh, now she has orgasm two or three minutes. Well, well, once she learned how to have orgasm, well, then she moved towards it, and it was you know so she became more comfortable with it. And then, and initially, there's always when there's strangers in there telling you what to do when you're at a sexual. I mean, you have some you know reluctance. Oh yeah. Uh, we had I remember one woman that she'd been through three. Uh, women's groups someplace else I don't know where and and she came down and talked to to me and I said well we couldn't offer anything except monitoring in the laboratory if she wanted to go in the laboratory and uh, uh, because the women's group should have helped her because women's groups they often masturbate in front of each other so so uh, we monitor we put her in the laboratory and she'd get close and then she'd quit so we suggested we leave the room and once we left the room, she had no trouble having orgasm. Her problem was uh, uh, she, she can have orgasm all right in terms of uh, masturbating now, but she couldn't have orgasm with her partner But because she saw that as a control issue. And if she had orgasm with him, 
then he was in control. Wow. I mean, it, you know, this... It was all in the mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is a... It's a very tricky area. <laughs> Sex is a very interesting area to work in, believe me. And working with people is, you know, you help, help them understand what they're doing. We never changed anybody's behavior. All we did was show them what they were doing. This is what you're doing. Now, if you want to continue this way, you, that's, you know, you have a right to be dysfunctional. Nobody says you, you know. Uh, but this is what you're doing, and so as long as you do that, you're going to have difficulty. Uh, and control issues are a big uh, problem, uh, especially with women. Well, well not worth, feeling not worthy. Poor self-concept. One of the things we did was work with self-concept. I'm not worthy of having orgasm. Okay, what's wrong with him that he likes me? There must be something wrong with him. You know? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I mean, there's all these kinds of really interesting kinds of things that go on. So, uh, you know, and, you know, it's, it's what we had to teach people was it was not their responsibility to bring their partner to orgasm. The person who is, to, is going to have the orgasm is the one that should have the orgasm. It's your own responsibility. It's your own, it's your own responsibility. If you want to have orgasm, fine. If you don't want to have orgasm, forget it. Don't, you know, because it's, it's, uh, uh, but you do that to yourself. You prevent yourself from having an orgasm. And it's not somebody else, it's not some guy's responsibility to bring you to orgasm. And it's, you know, and, and because mo most women, that's their attitude, you know, he's, he he's got to bring He me. couldn't do it for me. Yeah, you know, that's right. If he can't do it, I will find somebody else. And you find that in marital relationships, you know, I don't have orgasm with my husband. It's just because I, you know, I, or I must be in love with somebody else because I have orgasm with them and not with my husband. Well, but that's a control issue. They divorced their husband, married this other guy. They're going to have the same trouble. I mean, you know, it's going to be... Repeat the same pattern. <laughs> that's right. Repeat the same pattern. What, what about spontaneous orgasms? What, what's what's the greatest number of spontaneous orgasms? 135. What? For a female, 17 for a male. My God, 135? 130, 134. I guess it's 134. Yeah, within so within a uh, short period of time, within an hour, and it's probably considerably less than an hour. Well, she bicycled five miles to be a research subject. So you know, by five miles, I mean. You're talking about people that are in really good, both males and females that uh, function like that at that level. Uh, we're into strenuous physical activity on a consistent daily basis. They were prime fit candidates. They were, yeah. They, could, they probably couldn't have achieved that any other way. Well, I, one, one man that was uh, multi-orgasmic, we had him in the research lab the most, probably about maybe 30 times. Uh, there was a time that he quit bicycling, uh, and it made a big difference in terms of how uh, is uh, he was still multiply orgasmic, but he wasn't that multiply orgasmic. You know, it'd be maybe four or five as opposed to sixteen so kind of thing. Performance diminished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, physical. But on the other hand, you do too much physical exercise, and then it causes other kinds of problems. So you know, you have to have a happy balance there. How do you develop the, the uh, how do you work towards, is it something that's actually, it's just built into the biology of a particular person, they're wired that way, in terms of the ability to have spontaneous orgasms? To, you know, like those type of people, those are rare because of 
just their genetic makeup, their own. Are you talking about just having orgasm without any kind of stimulation or anything? Oh, I, did I say spontaneous? <laughs> That's a good question. That's oh, yeah, that happens. I mean, you know, uh, in church, for instance, uh, organ music will produce an orgasm with some people. Is this the tones? It's, yeah, it's a reaction to, the, to what's going on. Wow. <laughs> so orgasm will take place. Uh, and uh, uh, nursing women sometimes have orgasm. Because they're uh, and that, yeah, well, stimulated. yeah, the stimulation of breast with the and that scares some women. I mean, they'll quit nursing. Uh, but you know, the thing is, they don't know. Nobody ever told them that 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 happens. It's, per it's just biologically perfectly all right. I mean, uh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. You can have orgasm. What's, what difference does it make? I mean, you're not, you know, you're, gonna, you're not madly in love with your... What's it going to take to get the world uh, on the on the right path of thinking? I mean, it's because we're so far in the wrong direction, and, it's not, and there's no hope in sight. The only things that are actually getting any attention are homosexuality. Right. And why is that? Why, why is just 1% of the, you know, the population getting all the attention? Well, there's nothing wrong with being homosexual. I mean, that's perfectly okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but... Uh, uh, they're monopolizing. Yeah, but all the focus is going in that direction, and that's because they're organizing and pushing for it. The rest of the population is ap apathetic. Right. I guess everybody's asleep at the wheel. So, and, you know. Well, you know, everybody's supposed to know all there is to know about sex, and believe me, people don't. I, I remember uh, we've had several, uh, several couples where the woman had a problem and the husband didn't, who felt, and the husband felt he knew all there was to know about sex. I mean, he felt he was very knowledgeable. And they were pretty knowledgeable, but when we got through working with, when we got through working with them, they said, I didn't realize there was so much I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, they know, may know the nuts and bolts, but, uh, but even so, uh, you know, uh, uh, we had some people that, that, uh, were, you know, we're high up in the Sexual Freedom League where lots of sex going on that had sexual problems. Uh, and uh, so, you know, and, and some of the people we've worked with had, you know, maybe a hundred, couple hundred partners. That only means that you've had sex, you know, with uh, different people. But we, we did some observations in a swing club. And so you could see, and uh, one of the people there was somebody that was a research subject in our laboratory with their husband. The difference between her functioning with different men, she accommodated to the guys. Hmm. She, she, you know, so women accommodate to, to men in terms of what their pattern is. So men's patterns tend to be consistently the same. Because mm, they're just accommodating. There's no movement. There's no change in, right. in, in, the, in the role playing. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and when you talk to the women about it, because, I mean, obviously we had to talk to people in terms of, okay, well, why is it different here than there? Is because, well, my behavior would scare a man if, if I was my normal self. So mm. I, accommodate, I, I accommodate to men. I'm a Republican, but my reaction is he really did a great service to the United States best thing that could have possibly happened while he was in office. I mean, they got everybody talking about oral sex and what, you know, uh, sex. I mean, it came out in the open. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, 
I, I think it was great. But at the same time, but, but at the same time, and, 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 but it's unfortunate because you know um, the way they got criticized for the behavior. Oh, I mean, right. I didn't really think he should be doing it in the Oval Office, but I mean, you know, uh, and I feel sorry for Lewinsky. I mean, I really do feel sorry for her because, uh, you know, she's labeled a, a sort of a slut kind of thing. Well, she was doing what college-age kids do. Believe me, I taught at the university. I know what college-age kids do. She wasn't doing anything that the, any one of them would probably have not done. Exactly. And... Uh, so, and then, but um, she's doing okay because I just saw her on TV. She's yeah, doing that yeah. uh, to a commercial. That's right. So, so yeah, she'll probably do. Well, you look at any of the women that he was involved with, they're all doing okay. That's right. They're all doing, you know, TV, movies. Well, I mean, she comes from a, you know, fairly wealthy background, and, and, uh, uh, certain kinds of behavior are acceptable behavior in certain socioeconomic groups. Right. It's just that you don't make it public. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so, so uh, you know, it's uh, the fact that it became public. I think was the basic problem. Our treatment program. We had a thirty-four step treatment program, and uh, I think more therapists use our method of treatment rather than Masters and Johnson. They just don't know that that's what they're using. Because Masters and Johnson didn't, ours was very specific in terms of what you did. This is what you do. And uh, we, what we did have uh, people do things in our presence. Simple things like hand caress, foot caress, face caress, and body caress. Uh, and we had them do that because what people tell you they're, they're doing and what they do are two different things. And they'll tell you, oh, we're really warm, close, intimate. And they can't even hold hands with each other. Uh, you know, uh, you know that's not the case. And so, uh, until they can really hold hands and, and do something gentle and tender with their partner, uh, then we you know, they can go on and do a foot caress. Uh, and as they become more comfortable, then we send them to the motel and do things. And when they get to the more intimate kinds of behavior, they do those in the motel. But we know that they we know what they can do. So, you know, if they have any problem in the motel, okay, uh, then, you know, you were able to do the hand caress, okay, start, you know, the foot caress, start over again in terms of before you get, and we have them do all those before they get to sex. So typically an assignment in the motel is two or three hours. So they do a lot of touching, caressing, fondling, holding before they ever, you know, get to intercourse. And that's what women like. Oh, exactly. They want the touch. Though the intercourse is fine as long as they get the touch. They just don't want to, you know, to feel like a sperm receptacle. So, uh, 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 and men really enjoy it too. So it works out fine. Yeah, nice. Men get pleasure out. Of they, you know, uh, I, I remember couples saying, "Well." We're not having intercourse any more frequently than we were before, but and the husband will say, "Yeah." yeah but the quality is so, you know, I don't want it any more than we're having it. It's the quality of the of what's happening. So, uh, uh, yeah, well, a lot of the foreign countries, you know, have uh, behave. That was one of the things that we did in terms of our research. I mean, I read all about what was going on every place. 
uh, you know, because there are all kinds of books on China and uh, Africa and everything. And so what we did when we developed our treatment program was incorporated some of that behavior, some of those things that is, were, we felt were important. Is there a certain stimulation in a massage that you think is... is Just really light. Really light. We, we, yeah, so the skin sort of lifts up to meet the, the, uh, what you're caressing. If you do anything heavy, uh, that, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you're trying to develop sensation, the lighter you are, the more sensation you're going to develop. A lot of people don't have very much sensation in their body. So you may have to use heavy pressure but as you go along, get lighter and lighter because what you're trying to do is develop feeling. Sensation. Most, yeah, a lot of women don't have no sensation in their genitalia at all. Because it's, it hasn't been developed. Because it that's right. Yeah. It's there, but the receptor. Yeah, we always put them on pelvic exercises, so that's going to make some changes. That's going to put blood into the pelvis, so you're going to get more sensation down there. When you say pelvic exercise, just kind of. Uh, Forcing it, it back and forth. In and no, out. it's uh, no, it's uh, uh, starting and stopping your urine when you urinate. That tells you what muscles to tighten. It's a pubic oxygenous muscle. You tighten and hold for a count of three and relax. Tighten and hold for, and you know, a woman can stick her finger in her vagina and she can feel she's tightening around her finger. But uh, uh, and then you flick it very rapidly because that's what that muscle does at orgasm. It, it's sort of like a butterfly, just really. And then the other one is bearing down, relaxing and tightening it up. And that's what, that also happens at orgasm. It's sort of like a piston effect. And those things will produce more blood in the pelvis. And they're good for, the, they're good for men, too, because uh, a lot of erection problems are related to lack of blood going through the capillaries into the penis or so. Uh, you know, so you, they do exercise, both men and women do exercises, and so by the time they uh, get to intercourse, why, you know, things are moving along, because we always worked with them, or mainly, the, most of the people we worked with, we worked with intensively for two weeks. Two weeks, wow. Uh, um, and they would be having, you know, sexual activity for two or three hours every day. <laughs> well, uh, well, one of the things that happens is people often, for some, whatever reason, uh, quit having sex very often, and frequency of sexual activity is an important factor in terms of good function. If you don't function on a fairly consistent basis, then you lose function. It's you know, vagina, vagina will atrophy, and uh, uh, you know the penis will you'll have difficulty in terms of erections and stuff. And so those are the main problems that people have: of lack of function. Wow. And of course, it's interesting because. Uh, there's less functioning now than there was, say, 20 years ago in terms of couples. They don't have time for two or three hour session. They say if they have it once a week, they're pretty good. That's right. And then it's in a hurry. And right. So, you know, that's one of the things that people learn when they came to us. I mean, one of the things that we learned from observing uh, uh, lesbians was time. You know, they took lots of time. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, so time is a factor. What do you think? I think part of what, les you know, the lesbian, I've watched it in my generation, I watched and I studied in a way, because I was a psychology major myself, I ended up majoring in film, but that was my minor. Um, and I saw when Madonna 
came on the scene. Uh-huh. And her her ideas about uh, lesbianism and, and homosexuality and her affairs that she had with other women mm-hmm. and the fact that she really was boy crazy, but she had girlfriends too. Too, yeah. Um, influenced these young minds to the point where they were a little confused. Or they just thought, not, maybe not confused. No, it spawned them into that direction. But as a result, it confused them because there's no other answer. Or other t- when it came to it and they had affairs with them, now they're locked in a world where they don't know if they're lesbian or if they're, if they're straight because uh, they, had, they had the first experience with a woman, perhaps, or they had a better experience with a woman, and now they're you know, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and they can't make up their mind on what they like or what they right. like. Right. I remember I was last year, I think it was, the woman that was I, uh, head of one of the large lesbian groups they just found a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I know who you're talking about. The, the biggest, the biggest yeah, woman. The biggest, yeah, yeah. She's like the, the poster, yeah. the poster child. Right, yeah. yeah. I know who and you're talking about. So she lectured on it, and you know, she didn't know, and she was confused. <laughs> she said, I'm not giving up my lesbian relationship. Uh, we worked with a whole bunch of males that were homosexual. Uh, before AIDS situation. Uh, and they were always offered a chance to have a same-sex partner or an opposite-sex partner. Every one of them chose the same se- uh, an opposite-sex partner. Nobody chose the same-sex partner. I never could understand that. You know, they keep telling you that, you know, once you're homosexual, you're always a homosexual. They function fine heterosexually. Most of the time, the problem was uh, there was only one in all of that, all those people, that was really a dyed-in-the-wool homosexual. But his, he was married, and his wife wanted to have a baby, and she wasn't willing to have sex with somebody else to get have a baby. So he came in to learn how to have sex with her. <laughs> and he, his reaction was, boy, this is pretty good. <laughs> I'm not giving up my, my uh, other partner, but boy, this is pretty good. I really like this. <laughs> but most of them... Function fine sexually, and and uh, a number of them are married now, and moved into. They were really afraid of women. That's what they it, didn't know what to do. They function fine sexually, you know. They had no, you know. But the thing is, we don't rush them right into it. I mean, they go on a progression, and they learn what to do, and they learn how to, you know. They get interested. I mean, she gets turned on, and I, you know, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Uh, we saw an awful lot of um, men that, you know, that. And we even saw some that uh, they didn't know. They, I must be homosexual because I don't get turned on by women. Well, uh, they're not supposed to get turned on by women. You turn yourself on by <laughs> by what you're doing. <laughs> and but you've got to learn that if you focus on trying to turn her on, you're never going to get turned on. You know how good does it feel to you? Does it feel good? Well, enjoy it. Don't pay any attention to her. I mean, if you're doing something that feels good to you, you know you're going to probability is that it feels good to her too. At the university, I mean, they have several lesbian um, instructors that teach women's studies. Well, and, you know, they move people in that direction. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with being a lesbian or homosexual. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, uh, you know, you need a broader spectrum so that you know what sex is all about. It's then like, you make up your mind what you want to do. It's like, exactly. They're, <laughs> they're, they're teaching them. They're but how can you be a homosexual if you don't know what it is to be a heterosexual? The lesbians and the homosexuals have formed groups that push their agenda. I, I don't know. The religious groups, their agenda, too, is a, a different one so that 
it it makes it comp it makes it all complicated uh, and uh, so but like I say I mean when you when you, when they talk about human sexuality a lot of the teachers don't talk about normal everyday sex it's always about deviant what you'd call deviant behavior now I don't like to use that word but I mean it's different from the norm it just as deviates from a norm. Here's a norm, and 99% of the people function this way, and you know, uh, a tenth function this way, and a tenth function this. You know, so when you focus on those things rather than the larger population, uh, it poses a problem. She says you only need one. She's from, <laughs> she's from the Middle East. She says, and she says, quit trying them all out. You only need one. God will bring you one. <laughs> okay. Well, you've got to find one first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, you you see different size clitorises too. I mean, some are as big as a penis, but bigger isn't better. <laughs> a doctor friend of mine does penal enlargements, and I, it's so stupid. Isn't it? <laughs> stupid. Isn't it? I mean, a woman has an organ of accommodation. If she does pelvic exercises, you know, she can have a snug tight vagina, and that's all it takes. It's all it takes for a man because it, you know, it has a thrusting uh, against the walls of the vagina. Well, it's a movement uh, against the walls there that, over the sexual segments that produce a arousal and response, in intercourse, and uh, and of course the clitoris is, you know, it's uh, it's easy to stimulate manually or or depending on the position depends. Uh, uh, <coughs> but. Uh, he does enlargements, bigger and longer. Yeah. Oh, I've watched the surgery. There's no way, absolutely no way, if I was a man, I would ever go through any, I would never do anything like that. I can't imagine a man even wanting to do anything like that with his penis. Oh. Bigger is better. I mean, you know. I really feel sorry for women that do the breast augmentation. Oh, stuff. yeah. I really feel sad. I, I, feel, I feel for them because they're such a product of the of, culture. Of the culture. And, and they right. don't realize how bad it is. I want to say, no, you don't want to do that. You don't, trust me, someone's going to love you exactly the way you are. That's right. Well, I mean, uh, the research that shows that if you have children, you, they may have deformities and stuff as a result of having uh, breast plant implants. I see it as a huge splinter. I yeah. see it as... And, but nobody ever talks to them about that. You know, nobody really talks to them no, about that. No, because the doctor they go to tell, tell them everything they want to hear. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's a, that's one of the saddest things I've seen in recent Young girls, too. I know. Well, and you know, that's right. They don't realize that, you know, that stuff leaks and it can cause birth defects on children if you're going to have children at some point in your time, in your life. And, uh, uh, you know. I, told them, I, I, tried, I was in a position to actually try to, you know, sway them in another direction. Mm -hmm. Family member for the life of me. I was good for a while. All the scary things I told them. It, it didn't was, make any difference. Mm -mm. No. Well, and some people, after they have the implants, have them removed. That's what I said. I said, I yeah. told them, I said, no matter well, what. Well, because they don't like what happens to them, because then men treat them as objects, rather than, you know, in a relationship, so. It's true. Well, I, I always, I say, well, you, you know, you're going to have to get them removed. They're not yeah. going to be able to stay in you forever. Yeah. Imagine they're going to have to come out. Your doctor will never tell you, you got they got to come no. out. Well, it's just like a... If you have a penal implant, why it's only good for about three or four years, and you have to have another one. How many of those do you want in your life? 
And, and what's happening now with Viagra? All young men are taking Viagra. They don't know what the long-term effects of that are going to be. It's ridiculous. Why, why, you know? Even young guys are taking it, too. Yeah, they're, they don't need it. Unbelievable. It says that, you know, they get more aroused. Well, there's a lot of things you can do to get aroused that don't take any kind of medication. They're trying, they're trying to take a shortcut, stimulate right. the brain activity. Right, uh, right, that's right. Yeah. So it's ridiculous. I, what I need to be working on, and I have all the data for it, is the difference between uh, intercourse and masturbation in relation to orgasmic response. Because uh, I have research subjects that have both masturbated and had intercourse with their partner. And I've also had research subjects that had intercourse with different partners, and I can see the difference. I've, you know, I've got all kinds of research data. Um, the last paper I presented had to do with masturbation. And I just talked about the various kinds of masturbatory activities I saw in the research laboratory, which was sort of interesting. And the fashion that they masturbate? Yeah, because people masturbate in different ways. I mean, one of the things that we used to say is uh, almost every time we saw a, a new research subject, we saw something different than we'd ever seen before. They did something different. So, and, uh, you know, you ask somebody how they masturbate, and they'll tell you, well, like everybody else, well, everybody doesn't masturbate the same. <laughs> well, most of the research that's being done now is on college students and, you know, and what do they know? Uh, research uh, on college students indicates that they're not very truthful when they answer. Uh, of course not. They're going to tell them what, what, what they want to know. Exactly. <laughs> right. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, I mean, uh, it's a couple of seconds. Or uh, they called me uh, about six months ago for a TV show in L.A. And then they decided it was too controversial. I get uh, probably two or three interviews a week in terms of magazine articles. Oh, I bet. So, uh, no, it's, it's, there's a lot, a lot to know about the sexual area. Oh, And uh, uh, there's a lot that really needs to be learned about the sexual area. And, uh, and the only other person I know that has done, done very much sex research, she's retired from the university, so she's not doing any physiological work anymore. And uh, uh, I don't know, uh, the, I got a letter from one of the national organizations say their membership is way down. You know, people are not going into the sex field because you can't make money at it. Exactly. That's okay. I don't care. I'm not anxious to make any money. Right. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't do me any good. I'm not doing therapy anymore. I'm not, you know, getting research grants anymore. Uh, you know, I'm... Uh, but I'm certainly willing to spend my time in terms of talking. Yeah, well, you know, I mainly because nobody else is doing it. Exactly. I still go to professional meetings, and once in a while I'll present a paper. But I, they don't really tell me anything. That there were um, they had uh, uh, Northridge had a couple of programs that were three programs that were really good, but they got involved with the FBI involved in investigating them. What? Yeah. <laughs> the last one was on. Uh, Last one was on pornography, and uh, the FBI's investigated them the last year. And the, their programs are the best professional programs I've ever, you know, I've ever been to. Uh, first place, they had people who were were uh, pornographers and people who were in the field. Plus, the uh, a lot of uh, uh, research done by uh, college professors in terms of doing serious uh, research on on the subject. So they had a broad uh, range of people. 
and you can hear it from all different points of view. You didn't have to just listen to how bad it is, or you know, or how scientific it is. You could hear what the the uh, and the you know, it was learning. It was learning. You really learned. I really learned a lot. I, you know, I learned that a lot of the people that are are into pornography uh, were in the armed services, which I thought was really interesting. That and is. some of them had, you know, were uh, colonels and were high up in the armed services. You oh. think of that, you know, you think of people who are into pornography as, as maybe a little French bit... French character. French kind of character. These people were really uh, intelligent, uh, well-educated. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that is interesting. <laughs> so, Send that back to the FBI. <laughs> yeah, well, so they were, you know, they were investigating the... Uh, so I'm going to San Diego uh, when they have the conference uh, in April and listen to uh, uh, what the FBI was doing because they're going to, there's a paper going to be presented. I'm surprised on they it. didn't clamp them down. I'm surprised. Well, they, they did. They they would have had another program this year and they didn't have it. Well, they, so they shut them down. Yeah. yeah and did. the person that really sick uh, 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 the FBI on him was uh, Larry Flint's daughter. What? What? <laughs> I think she's a born-again Christian, I think, is what I understand. And yeah, I mean, you know, Larry Flint was there, he was there, and uh, Hugh Hefner was there, and, you know. Oh, I mean, heavyweights. Yeah, but, you know, how else are you ever going to see those people? It gives you an opportunity to talk to them. They're real people. Yeah. yeah. And actually get a real sense of what, what... What's going on with them. What, what, you know, what's this, you know, what's the significance of all this? All you hear is what you read in the media. Exactly. So, I go to senior university at the Long Beach State University. I used to teach there. I used oh, to teach right? Yeah, I used to teach human sexuality. Uh, so, and I taught other things there. I thought com taught comparative literature too. <laughs> you know, uh, and um, uh, then I taught in the English department. I mean, I you know, the psych department around. one year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Wow. So uh, anyway, um, I'm going to senior university taking classes. I mean, it's been forty years since I had an anthropology class. Uh, the change in the uh, the point of view forty years uh, you know now as opposed to forty years ago it's a lot different. Oh yeah. There's you know been a lot of learning in forty years, so it's really and and you know a lot of people are still doing their thing on forty years history and oh, it, yeah. things have changed. So. Uh, uh, And that's, of course, what happened today was he was talking about the difference in relation to what people thought a few years ago as to what is going on now in terms of the field and what, they, what they've what uh, they discovered in terms of uh, uh, further research. But I volunteered to do a human sexuality course, and they said it was too controversial. I do have a class where we it's called memory writing, and once in a while I'll do something on sexuality. And it's really interesting because I'll always have several people come up and say, oh, gee, I really learned so much. I really was glad you presented that. But there also, I know there's one or two people in the class that are really uncomfortable, which is fine with me because the more comfortable, the more I talk about it, the more comfortable they're going to become. But, you know, and I'm a fairly conservative person, so they know me now, and so I can, I can do it, and they, you know, they don't, aren't going to complain. Well, yeah. I had a cousin who was a producer, and that's, he changed his name. <laughs> You know, they needed time. to have a Jewish name. Yeah, what can I say? I, I tell everybody. If you're going to do films in, in Hollywood, you, you better, uh, you know, <laughs> most of the people in the sex field are Jewish. Uh, 
I I know my partner and I you know, that uh, we used to say we're the only non-Jewish people in the whole field. <laughs> it's a little bit different now because there are a lot of uh, faculty people are sort of trying to move into the sexual area, although they're really cautious about it because of the problem they have with their university in relation to doing work in that, you know, teaching human sexuality and stuff. But there are people, there are some people that are older like I am that uh, at our age we don't care. You know, what are they going to do to us? He, uh, my, see, my partner had a lot of problems in that. He got excommunicated and uh, just because you know, of what he was studying, just because of his profession, basically? Yeah, his, his, his because I work in the sexual field. So, and it was really hard on him because he was, his father was a minister, so, I mean, oh, you know, he came from a very religious family. Wow. And his kids gave him all kinds of trouble, all kinds of problems. Because we figured, well, if we could help teach medical doctors, because most medical doctors didn't know anything about sex. And uh, we trained a bunch of medical doctors, and uh, they said they got more, more training from us than they ever did in medical school in relation to human sexuality. Well, I mean, yeah, we saw some pretty interesting kinds of behaviors. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I remember one woman who had become hysterical. She didn't know she was having, she, she didn't think she was having orgasm, so she came in. And well, that was an interesting study when we did that. We had uh, uh, a whole, we took a bunch of women who said they were not orgasmic and monitored them in the laboratory, and three-fourths of them were orgasmic. They just didn't know they were having orgasm. Wow. And some of them really had intense orgasms. I don't know what they thought was going on with them. So you didn't even know what an orgasm was. That's right. They didn't know what an orgasm was. So once we explained to them, oh, here's where your orgasm is. This is what was going on. Uh, then, you know, the next time we ran them, then they could identify it. But they didn't know they were having orgasm because they didn't know what an orgasm... They had a, an unrealistic expectation of what an orgasm was. What you've done to me? <laughs> I'm sorry. Get it? No, that's okay. I well, can't. I mean, you know, that's what happens. They say, I'll, I'll do a, a, you know, do a half an hour interview with you and they're here all day. They got to 30 <laughs> seconds. I got, a, I got an hour.